the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Live Big with Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teachings at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Let's get into today's message. We are continuing our series on more than forgiveness, more than forgiveness. Amen. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Paul is speaking here and he says by the Holy Spirit, now may the God of peace. The God of peace is one of the New Testament's favorite titles uh, for God. In the Hebrew, the, the term peace is actually the word, does anyone know? Five of you, okay. Shalom, shalom. I once heard a, a linguist say that uh, the best definition of shalom is wholeness, meaning nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. So when you say shalom uh, to someone, it's a powerful, powerful statement. You're saying, may you have a day with nothing missing, nothing lacking. And nothing broken. So if God gives us peace, he gives us a life with what? Nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing what? Broken. Now may the God of shalom, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, himself. Now this is the problem. Many Christians believe in God, but not God himself. We believe in gods created by various denominations, etc. But we really don't believe in the God of the Bible that continues to heal the sick and, and raise the dead. Many of us worship a God that, you know, uh, he could barely stop a headache much more than deliver anybody from a real demon. You understand? We, we, we kind of, we, we, we say we believe in God, but really in life it's only in name only. But Paul is saying... Now may the God of Shalom in Hebrew, Irene in the Greek or peace in English, himself, this is the God that can do anything he sets his mind to. May this God himself sanctify you. And then he's about to say holy or completely. But in this verse, one of the first things we notice is that it's himself or God who does the sanctifying. 
Sanctification is not something you can do in your own strength or on your own. But the second thing I want you to understand is that the meaning of the word sanctification is probably going to surprise you. Most people think the word sanctification means no, no makeup. It means dresses of a certain length. It means no dancing. It means no chewing bubble gum. We, we, a lot of people think that's what sanctification means. But actually, the origin of the word was an everyday term. Unless you think that I'm just making something up, I'm going to read to you the definition of uh, sanctification from Baker's Evangelical Dictionary, Bible of Theology. Uh, biblical, I'm sorry, theology. And listen to this, this definition here. It's going to take a minute, but listen. The generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. I should have had them put that on the board. Next service, I will. But it's the state of what? Proper functioning. So to sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart uh, for the use intended by its designer. So listen to the practical application in the way that sanctification was used before we made it super or hyper-religious. It says here, a pen is sanctified when used to write. So the pen didn't pray in tongues. The pen didn't change its clothing or its dressing, didn't, didn't choose not to wear makeup. All the pen did is what it was designed to do. And the Bible called it sanctification. Now, please, ladies, don't hurt the men. Please wear dresses where we don't see all your business. You know, there's wisdom in that. But understand, we, we get the terms confused. And there's a difference between sanctification and, and wisdom, but that's besides the point. Eyeglasses, I'm still reading. This is not my opinion. Eyeglasses are sanctified when they're used to improve sight. So a pen when it writes, eyeglasses when it improves sights, are sanctified according to the Greek and Hebrew uses, usage uh, of the term. So in the theological sense, I'm still reading, things are sanctified when they are used for the purpose God intends. So a human being is sanctified, therefore, when he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. So sanctification is about finding your purpose and living it. Does that make sense? Finding what God created you for and then setting yourself aside for that purpose. Does that make sense? Certain animals were designed to do certain things, and as long as they do them, they're sanctified. They haven't attended a church service, but they are sanctified in God's sight. A butterfly pollinates other flowers. So as he goes from flowers to flower, God says that's sanctification. So sanctification is discovering God's intent for you, God's design for you, and living it out. I always, I, I frequently, I, I, late, I keep bringing up my testimony. I wanted to be a businessman, but that was an unsanctified decision. Though I could have been successful, though I could have attended and, and be a great help in someone else's church. But at some point, I had to set myself apart for what God designed me for. Not for what I wanted to do, but I had to be set apart for God's design. So sanctification is really the amount you yield yourself to God's purposes in your life. Does that make sense? So next time you hear the word sanctification, don't run from it. It's actually a very, very exciting word. And all of us really want to be sanctified. We want to discover the thing we do best. 
We want to discover the thing that we were absolutely made for because those things are typically done the easiest. Do you know that man wasn't made to fly? Anybody know that in the room? For that reason, in order for us to fly, there has to be an air tower. There has to be a huge uh, plane with, with powerful engines. There has to be a ground staff. All, the, all those things are required for a human being to fly. Why? Because flight is not our sanctified purpose. But did you know a bird requires no help? It doesn't need an air towel. It doesn't, it doesn't need a whole bunch of people to vacuum it and, and clean it and, and change its oil. It, it doesn't need anything from the outside. Add it's not big and bulky. You hear what I'm saying? It was designed to fly. When you discover what you were designed for, life gets easy and you don't need as much help as you used to from people. You don't need everybody carrying you. You don't have to depend on people the way you used to when you're truly sanctified and tap into purpose. Still with me? Now may the God of peace himself, this is something God himself will do. Not, he's not sending an angel to do it. God himself, even I, I'm your pastor, I can't do this for you. God himself sanctify you or bring you back to live under God's design. Then it says the word completely, meaning entirely, which means leaving no part out of us or no part of us out of this complete. Does that make sense? And it continues And it describes completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and what? Body. According to this passage of Scripture, how many believe the word uh, in our Bible is the word of God? Okay. So, either God made a mistake or he was correct. How many think God's usually right? How about all the time? Yeah. According to Scripture, we are made of three components. Parts, spirit, soul, and body. And without this understanding, it's very difficult to understand our New Testament, particularly scriptures that relate to our salvation, justification, and righteousness. And in a few weeks, we, we will cover some of those areas. But, but let's read the verse in the ESV version. It says it a little more plainer. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body all our component parts be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ and that scripture is saying god can keep anyone who really wants to be kept but we got to want to be kept in order for him to keep him Let, let's go to hebrews 4 and 12 amen and we're going to dig a little bit deeper it's going to take us a minute to unpack this truth the writer says by the holy spirit for the word of god is living and powerful. Some people ask me, why is always the word, the word, the word, the word with you? Because in my life, it's alive and what? Powerful as it ought to be in all of us. And if it's not yet alive, you st- hang around long enough, you'll catch fire, you'll catch on after a little while. For the word of God is living and what? powerful. It's not just some dark book to me. It lives and it leaps in my life. It has application and relevance. It it shows me how to live and make good decisions. It's impacted the quality of my life, the quality of my, my thought life, my thinking. It's even impacted my physical body. The Bible says that he'll renew our youth like an eagle. He'll keep you young. And it's sharper than any two-edged 
sword. What Scripture is saying is that God's Word is so on point that it will even reveal the deepest parts of us. Parts of us that psychologists didn't really understand. Now, they, 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 at least Freud started talking about the conscious and the, uns, uh, the subconscious. And really what he's talking about is the soul and the spirit or the deeper part of the soul and, and the spirit there. But it took centuries for humanity to even consider man on any level other than just typically, you know, soul and body. But animals are just soul and body. What makes us in the image of God is our spirits. Dogs don't have spirits, they just have souls. Monkeys don't have spirits, they just have souls. The Bible said God made man, and and man was standing there, but the Bible said he breathed into him the breath of life. He breathed into him a human spirit after his image and his likeness. Does that make sense to the folks in the room? And he says in this book, this book is so powerful that it's sharper than any double-edged sword, Piercing even, meaning this is something very difficult to do. But the word of God is, is, is just uh, is so together. The word of God is so complete. The word of God is, is so exact that it's able to pierce even to the division of soul and what? Spirit. The first thing the scripture is telling us is that soul and spirit are not easily divided. That it takes the word of God in order for us to understand the difference between the two. But this is what I want you to see from this portion of scripture. The soul and the spirit are not the same things. How could two identical things be split into two difficult, different things? That's absolutely impossible. It just can't happen. You, you can't, you know, uh, uh, t- take one cup. Imagine it's a pitcher of water. You can't take one cup of water, then, then divide another cup of water, and then have different water in each cups. You, you can't divide, you know, a thing of salt into two dividers of salt, and there'd be different salt in each divide. Does that mean if they're identical, you just can't do it? So if the soul and spirit are identical, but when they're divided, they have different names, they couldn't have been the same. So obviously, soul and spirit aren't the same. Actually, in the Bible, and this will confound you, but next week we'll develop this a little bit more. God calls himself the father of spirits in the New Testament, not the father of our soul. Meaning when we were born again, we were changing our spirit. Your mind is in process. Your mind is being renewed by the word as, as the word of God, you know, changes your thought life. Then your lifestyle changes. But when you were saved instantly, your spirit became just like daddy God. He calls himself the father, not of your soul, but of your spirit. That's important. And we'll develop this further next week. It says piercing to the division or separation of soul and spirit. And next he goes on to, to, to use a natural analogy. And what he's about to, to do is, is uh, you use something material to explain something immaterial. He just talked about the division of spirit and soul. 
and, and we don't quite comprehend that because that's beyond our eye. You know, our eyes can't see that. We, we don't quite understand. So he said, let me give you something you could see to explain what you cannot see. So then he goes to another example. And by the way, back in this time, people raised their animals. They killed and, and slayed their animals. They knew human anatomy, particularly if you work, I'm sorry, uh, anatomy in general, particularly if you worked on a farm. You, you understood bones and, and joints, etc., because you killed the animals that you 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 ate and, and women would peel the skin off and and you know all, all, all that was done so folks understood this analogy that was being used he says piercing even to the division of soul and spirit then he says end of joints and what marrow again he's helping us to understand the known from the unknown what are joints and marrow they are the thicker parts of the bone usually at the head and the top of the bone that connects to other bones is that correct Marrow, on the other hand, is the soft living part of the bone on the inside of the bone. In fact, in some nations, the marrow was a delicacy. So this, you know, had, had a lot of application to those that, that, that were listing. And what he was saying is, as marrow is encased in the bone, our spirits are encased in our souls. He's just drawn a picture for us to understand the function of soul and spirit. The word of God is able to distinguish marrow from bone, just as it can distinguish the spirit inside the human soul. And is a discerning, by the way, why does he use a sword? Because they would cut animals and they would cut the parts. He, you cut the bone at, at, at the joint to, so you can eat the leg versus, you know, uh, the breast. So they understood this. He said the word of God can divide you just like you divide the animals you eat regularly. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now that's tricky. Now I might know what you say, but I don't always know what you mean. If you're married, you really understand that. (laughs) The scripture's saying, as God and God only really can really separate our motives from our thoughts, God likewise through his word has the capacity to, to, to distinguish our spirits from our souls. You know, Philo, he was a Jewish philosopher before Christ, but he was a a student of Scripture. And this is the way he describes spirit and soul even before the New Testament. He said, the spirit and soul are like the eye and the eyeball. They are distinct, but you need both to see. They're distinct, but you need both to see. Now, uh, what happened, and I'm going to read about that, people started to get into error over this this concept of, of spirit, soul, and body. And what they started saying, well, I'm saved in my spirit. It really doesn't matter what I do with my body. You know, the, the, the highest part of me belongs to God, so I can do whatever I want. You know, we're going to talk about sex in a moment, and we're going to, we're going to get through it quickly. I'm not going to kill you with it, but it would be helpful. These are parts of the Bible you got to know, amen? We don't just teach in this church our favorite word. We try to teach the full gospel. We, we try to teach the entire book, okay? So don't get mad at me. Get mad at the book. You hear what I'm saying? If you don't like what I'm saying. In fact, let's just go there. Go to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Or do you not know that your body is what? The temple of what? Of who? 
the Holy Spirit who is in who? You. You. So scripture calls your body what? A temple. But those of us that know scripture know that the temple has three basic divisions. It has the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies. So if our body is the temple, somewhere in this body, there's an outer court, an inner court, your soul, and the holies of holies, the place where God is enthroned and the place God lives. Let's take a look at the temple. I'm going to point to it real quick. There's an illustration of the temple. I'm going to use that screen's a little light. I'm going to use a, let's see, it doesn't work here. Okay, that light's messing me up. There we go. Now you can see all of this here is the outer court. The outer court. It looked a little bit different in the tabernacle, but, but these, these are the things, you know, the Levites were out there. Lots of guys were, were out there. But when it came to the insides, this was in here, the inner court. You, you should see the, the, the table of shoe bread there. There is, uh, the, 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 uh, what is that? That, I can't really see, but it's supposed to be the candelabra. Uh, here is the, the, the frankincense or, or the, 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 um, the, uh, 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 incense, thank you, the table of incense. And back here, you can't really see it well, is the mercy seat. But these are, this is the division. And, and by the way, the Shekinah glory lived back there. The Holy Spirit was back there. The priest only went back there once a year. And if the priest wasn't right, he'd come out dead. He would die back there. So this was really God's throne. It was the mercy seat. So again, you, you have the outer court. You have the inner court. And each time you're getting closer to the presence, but the only place God really dwelled and lived was between the cherubim on the mercy seat in the holy of holies, the holy place. Make sense to you? Let's get back to the scripture. Well, matter of fact, let me show you another slide. Let, let's, number two, we, we see a better description here. You see the outer court and there's an arrow pointing to the inner court as if we could slice open the, the, the building and then we see the holies of holies. But let's look at this last slide here. And we're going to see the, the, uh, the, the, the correlation here. Your body is the outer court. It's still part of the temple. But it's not the seat in which God lives. Does that make sense to you? And then you have the soul, which we're going to discover a little bit later, is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And we're going to go to Scripture to, to break that down for you. Actually, we're going to go to Gethsemane, and you're going to understand that. But then the third part is the spirit. So when you give your life to Jesus, where does, the, where does God go to live? In your spirit. But the problem is your spirit is encased in the soul. You still have the same thoughts you had a couple weeks before you got saved. You still have the same mindset, the same mentality. So what God has to do is work on your mind in order to release his spirit. Now, let me say this. Often we sing wrong songs in the church. And, and I sing them with you because I know, what, I, I know you, no one means bad or ill. But we're going to cover this also in this series. And we're talking about I want to go into the holies of holies. And that's where I'm, I, I really need to go. I want to go to the holies of holies. You don't realize Jesus has already gone behind that veil. That's why it was ripped. If you are a born again child of God, you're not trying to get into the holies of holies. The holies of holies has already got into you. <laughs> the real thing is you're trying to get the holies of holies out of you. 
You're trying to get your soul to cooperate and your body to cooperate so the invisible God can be seen through your life. So we're not worshiping to get into the holies of holies. We're worshiping to release the Holy One within. Different way of thinking. Continue to sing the song. It's okay, and, I, and I'll sing it with you. But you know better now. And we need to start singing some better songs uh, along with them. Are, are you still with me? Yeah. All right. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. We're learning? How many know you're supposed to do that at church? So we're doing the right thing. This is an important picture. Now, we, we lay down the truth in didactic terms, if you will. But now we're looking at an actual picture. And that, that's really what the Old Testament did. It was like a, a, a drawing book where it showed us pictures that pointed to the specifics that would show up in the person of Jesus Christ. He said, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? Once again, where did the glory of God dwell in the temple? Let me hear. Yeah. Between the cherubim on the mercy seat above the Ark of the Covenant in the holies of holies. Likewise, the place God dwells in my body is in my spirit. That's why I don't always feel him. Many people say, I want to feel God's love. He doesn't live in a place. Of, he, see, he blesses us sometimes so we can feel him, but that's just a courtesy. That, that's my wife. Every now and then she lets me feel her. <laughs> that's a blessing and just a courtesy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Keep your minds right. It's y'all guys. It's not me. I didn't mean anything by that. But the point is, me touching her and loving her are not the same thing. She cannot, I can, yes, express my love through a touch, but they're not necessarily the same thing. And if she had to feel me in order to believe that I loved her, imagine the life we lead. This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at gracechurchva.tv. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.